Is that better? Oh, that's better. User error. Uh, You'd think after once or twice I would have that down, right? Hey, I just want to take a moment. I don't know if that video hit you in the feels like it hit me, but let's celebrate what God has done and is doing here at this church. Wow. Wow. Uh, What a beautiful thing. Friend, what was the last thing you got excited to share with someone? Like the last thing that you got really eager to tell somebody else about, you wanted someone else to join in the joy with you because of, what was it? Was it a movie? Was it a good meal at a nice restaurant? Was it a company that treated you right? Pretty regularly, my wife will share with me things that she's learning from podcasts or from reading and that kind of stuff because she knows I'm a junkie for that kind of stuff and I'm eager to learn and hear. So she'll share that stuff with me all the time. My kids will tell me, and they won't just tell me, they will show me videos that they've seen that made them laugh and they want me to join in the laughter and the fun. Uh, Pretty regularly, I'm eager to tell people about my favorite shoe brand. A couple years ago, I discovered a brand of shoes and they are the best shoes I've ever had. And I'll tell anyone and everyone about my shoes. Uh, it's kind of weird, but man, I love it. Now, about a year ago, when my family and I moved here to Louisville, you all shared with us your favorite spots in Louisville, your favorite places to go, your favorite restaurants, the favorite things to experience, your favorite day trips. And so now when we have friends and family come in, we love to take them to many of those same places. We love to take people to the parklands and let them experience the parklands. We love to go across the walking bridge and get ice cream on the other side. We love to introduce people to Bare Nose Pizza and follow it up with Grater's Ice Cream afterwards. Ice cream is a consistent theme in things that my family loves doing. Um, so what is it for you? What do you get really excited to tell other people about? And, and what do we do when we have something that we really enjoy? We share it, don't we? We, we love to bring other people in. We don't like to keep that stuff to ourselves. When there's something that has improved our life in some way, shape, or form, we want to tell other people about it. We want to invite them into it too. You got to taste this food. You, you got to see this movie. You got to go to this place. You got to experience this thing. You got to do this also. And so today, I want to share with you a story of a woman who was eager to share with others a conversation that changed her life. We'll pick it up in John chapter 4. Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, had to, we could better translate that maybe to he was compelled to. Because let's take a look at the map of where he was going. Jesus is down here in this area of Judea and he's trying to get up to Galilee. And to go through there, he's going to travel up through Samaria, Sychar. Now, that's the fastest route. That's the easiest route. But as we're going to explore in a moment, that's not necessarily the best route for a Jewish person because there's some bad blood between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And so most religious leaders, the the top level religious leaders from the Jewish tribe would take this way out and around and go around Samaria to go up towards Galilee. Instead of cutting through, they'd go around it. But for Jesus and other Jewish people, they would just go as quickly as they could the easiest way, and try not to spend a whole lot of time there. So we'll continue in this passage. Jesus compelled to go through there. He eventually came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, yeah, they were walking that entire journey you just saw on the map. Tired from that long walk, he sat warily beside the well at about noontime. 
Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, let's pause right there. This woman's coming to draw water at noon. That's our first clue that something's not quite right. Because in that culture, women did not draw water at noon. And they would not go to that well alone. The well was outside of the village. And so they had to walk to that well And normally what women would do is they would journey to that well in the morning together with other women. It was this social gathering. and It was their their social spot. That's where they would talk and gossip and share the stuff. They would help one another out. It was the gal time in the morning. And they would do it in the morning before the day was hot. Now, some of them, if they needed to, they might go later in the day, late in the afternoon, beginning of evening time when the sun was low in the sky again, because in noon time, it's really, really hot. Like even throughout the colder months, it can get really hot at noon time in that area. So they, they would not travel there and they would not do it alone. Think of the the well as kind of at, at work if you've got a break room or the coffee pot and people stand and they gather and they talk there. That, that's what the well was for those gals. It, it was their version of let's grab some coffee in the morning. And so here's this woman getting water alone. And, and Jesus says to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. I alluded to this a moment ago. There's some bad blood between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And it dates back at that moment, it would date back hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. And it all started when there was one king who ruled badly and the kingdom split. And the kingdoms in the north uh, broke away from the kingdoms of the south. And those northern kingdoms ended up interacting with the Assyrian Empire. And they ended up intermingling with them and intermarrying with them. Now, this wasn't so much that they were crossing lines of ethnicity or race or geography or anything like that. And the reason God had told them and warned them not to do what they were doing was because he knew that they would develop this syncretistic religion. That they would not just borrow some cultural aspects but they would borrow the religious aspects and so they started to blend the Assyrian religion with their own religion and they began worshiping other gods and they began worshiping at different places and so for the Jewish people even hundreds of years later they saw the Samaritans as people who had sold out their faith people who had this blended faith that was a half-hearted commitment to God they worshiped in the wrong ways in the wrong places at the wrong times they just did it all wrong and in some ways we could liken this maybe a little bit to uh, Catholicism and Protestantism and how we sometimes say oh they do it wrong and they do it wrong and they worship different ways and stuff but even worse even more so so there's this distinction between them and for a Jewish guy to be interacting with a Samaritan that was degrading for the Jewish person. I mean, they would see this as that's, that's just something you don't do. They're those people. We got to stay away from that. We can't intermingle with them. Those people don't have it right. And so Jesus is asking this woman for a drink. And she says to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? All right, Jew, Samaritan. But notice I left a word out. Not only is she a Samaritan and he's a Jew, she's a woman. Now, for Jewish men at that time, and and I want you to hear, this is a cultural explanation. This is not me saying that this was the right way to be. But for Jewish men at that time, interacting with women in public was also a degrading thing. It it, it was seen as lowly. 
For a Jewish man, they, they would not have interaction. They, they would not speak to a woman in public unless it was their wife or perhaps their daughter or mother, a close, close relationship. And even then, it would be limited. The, the women were seen as secondary, as, as a bit lower class. And so the men who had honor would, would not speak to a woman. So here's Jesus breaking all these things apart. He, he's crossing geographic lines. He's crossing ethnic lines. He's crossing... The religious line and the gender line and all this. He's speaking to a Samaritan woman. For us to understand more of what this is like, we, we gotta wrap our heads around this a little bit. This, this is like if, if there was a protest downtown and, and a Black Lives Matter protester were to ask a Make America Great Again Trump supporter wearing hat person, hey, can you, can you give me a drink? You got a drink for me? This is like a pro-choice person coming out of the clinic and asking a pro-life supporter, hey, can you, can you give me a lift home? This is a UK fan inviting them, a U of L fan, hey, you want to sit in my box and watch the game in the cushy box, right? Like these things just don't happen. Jesus is crossing every line imaginable. He's, he's breaking it all apart in this moment. And he's talking to this woman. He's interacting with this woman. And this woman who would see herself as a bit of a nobody because she was sidelined from her village. She's there alone because the other women wouldn't hang out with her. They wouldn't interact with her. She was tossed aside. And Jesus says, you're somebody to me. And what humility Jesus expresses in this moment because he's, he's asking her for a drink, a simple cup of water. But notice in that moment, it's, it's not just a cup of water. This woman going to the well, she, she would have had her bucket and maybe her little, maybe a, a cup for herself. She would not have thought to have taken anything. It's most likely she would not have had anything for a guest for another person. In fact, that's why she was going to the well at that time was so she didn't have to interact with anyone else. So she didn't have to be there and be belittled by other people. And here's this Jewish guy saying, can you give me a drink? What Jesus is saying is, I'm willing to drink from the same cup as you. Not only am I crossing the lines where, where I'm talking to a Samaritan and I'm talking to a woman, I'm willing to put my lips on the same cup as you. And if anyone thinks that's unclean in that culture, shoot. Anyone thinks that's unclean in our culture? How many are you going to drink after a stranger with the whole COVID thing going on? And Jesus says, you're somebody to me. I'll drink from the same cup. I value you. You have worth in my eyes. So moving on in the story, this woman has said, what, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew who you're speaking to, you'd be asking me and I would give you living water. But sir, she says, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this, well, it, it's a deep well. How are you going to get the water? Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than what he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Where are you going to get this living water? And Jesus responded, everyone who, say it with me, everyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But who, say it with me, everyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again. 
It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the woman responded, please, sir, give me this water. How do you think she said that? Do you think she was eager for that water that she was trusting him? Or do you think she was skeptical and kind of mocking him? Oh, give me some of that water. You don't even have a bucket. What are you talking about? Living water. I don't know. Either way, she goes on. She says, I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman said. You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You're certainly speaking the truth when you say you don't have a husband. Now, what what tone of voice do you think Jesus used in that moment? Do you think he was condescending? Do you think he was sarcastic? Do you think he was demeaning her? (laughs) You've had five. And the guy you're with now, not even your husband. I don't think that's the way it happened. I just don't hear that in Jesus' voice. I, I do think that, that there's room, like we, we don't know this woman's story for certain. And, and it could be that she was a man-eater. It could be that she had churned through several different men. But when we consider the culture of that time again, and, and the likelihood of that becomes very, very slim. Because in that, in that culture, women did not have the right to divorce their husbands. Divorce was a privilege reserved only for the men. And some religious teachers, some of the Jewish teachers taught that you could divorce your wife for even the smallest infraction if she burns your toast. Off with you, woman. Give me somebody who's going to make my bread the right way. Spread the butter the right way. Put the jam on the right. I mean, think of that. How insecure would a, would a wife feel knowing that, that you could be tossed aside for just merely burning the toast? And so I, I don't think it's likely that she was a man-eater and she had churned through the husbands. It, it's much more likely that she had been a wife of convenience several times over and had been tossed aside. And, and a woman in that culture who was not married would not have much security. She would not have much privilege. She would not have much rights. She would not have... Anyone taking care of her? There was a lot that she would be without, and, and it would be a very difficult life. So she was probably eager to find someone who would love her again, someone who would take her in again. And it's, it's likely that, that men would just use and abuse her. It's possible that even a couple of her husbands may have died along the way. And so here she is. She's just going to the well, just trying to get water, trying to avoid all the gossip and all the other finger pointing and looks and people standing away from her, going at this heat of the day when nobody else is going to be there, just going to get the water, the very thing she needs to survive. And this guy starts talking to her about her relationships and her broken history. Oh, man. I don't think Jesus is prying in to shame her. I think he's identifying her pain, her sore spot, the source of her shame. And he says, I value you. Nobody else will talk to you. I will speak to you. Nobody else will interact with you. I will offer to drink from the same cup as you. Nobody else wants to be near you, but you're somebody to me. You have worth in my eyes. He's elevating this woman. And so the woman says to him, sir, You've got to be a prophet. 
So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Notice what she does. All of a sudden, it's getting way too close to home. It's, it's starting to get uncomfortable. We're talking about my relationships. I don't want to go there. Let's change the subject. You ever been in a conversation with somebody, and it presses in a little bit, and then they want to talk about something else? Ever been in a spiritual conversation, also the person's trying to, to change where the conversation is going, trying to change the topic? We'll, we'll, we'll stay on the topic of spirituality, but we'll talk about this thing over there. Hey, you must be a prophet, so answer this question for me. Let's get off of my relationships. Let's, let's talk about where we worship, this division between the Jews and the Samaritans. And I love what Jesus does. Now, here in this moment, we've seen this happen, right? This woman makes, makes spiritual points, but she misses the point. She might know some things about spirituality, and she wants to tell Jesus what she knows. She's going to ask him questions. She's trying to make a point. But friend, don't be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person who, who makes spiritual points but misses the point. Don't settle for that kind of spirituality. Remember when Jesus asked her, if you only knew whose presence you were in, if you only knew who was with you, she's missing who she's with. So Jesus gives an answer, and that's honestly not the, the point for where we're talking about today. He kind of unpacks this. But then... She comes back to him and she says, but I I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then Jesus says to her, and I love this, one of my favorite moments throughout the entire Bible. Jesus looks at her and says, can I tell you a secret? That Messiah, that Savior you're waiting for, it's me. (laughs) That's me. Remember when I said, if you only knew whose presence you were in? Here I am. Whoa, whoa, friends, like don't miss what's happening in this moment in scripture. This moment in time when Jesus, this is the first time we see recorded in the biographies of Jesus' ministry, the first time we see in the gospels that Jesus comes forward and says with that clarity, this is who I am, I'm the Messiah and I'm right here with you. And who's he saying to Does he say it to a a synagogue filled with religious leaders in Jerusalem? No. Does he say it to a huge crowd that's gathered on a hillside in an amphitheater-like setting to hear him teach and preach? No. Does he say it to the people who were following him around as he was healing other people? No. Does he say it to his disciples, his closest buddies? No. He says it to a Samaritan woman. Wow. 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 He breaks all the lines. He just crosses everything. Gender and race and ethnicity and and on and on and on. Anything you can think of in our culture today that would divide people. And there's plenty, right? Just open up social media. We're divided. Anything you can think of that divides. Jesus has crossed those lines and more in this moment. To do what? To elevate this woman. The first one to hear. And so we go on. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Of course they were, like that just doesn't happen. But none of them had the guts to say, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to that lady? None of them said it. And in that moment, the woman left her water jar, the thing she needs to live, water, kind of important. She leaves that behind and she runs back to the village telling who? Everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. He didn't tell her everything she ever did. He told her enough. She knew this guy knows way too much about me. 
Could he possibly be the Messiah? She's not even totally sure he is. But she's saying there's a really good chance. And notice the first three words she uses. I love her invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Friends, come and see. Those of you who point the finger at me, come and see. Those of you who don't want to have anything to do with me, there's somebody you do want to have something to do with. Come, come and see. Come and interact with this guy. Is it possible that he's the Messiah? Just come and see. And in that moment, we see this clear, easy invitation. It's the easiest invite that I can think of to invite somebody to find Jesus. It's the easiest invite. Anyone can say this. All of us can offer this invitation. It simply means that we share our story. Look what he did for me. Come and see what he might do for you. We, we can all offer that. Now, the reality is for us to share with somebody, for us to offer that invite, means we got to go to those people. we, we got to go to the people who have not found, who have not come, who have not seen, and we got to tell them, come, come and see. And for some of us, that's, that's way out of our comfort zone. Because for many of us, we, we, we don't hang out with many of those kind of people. We, we huddle up, our holy huddle. Friend, I, I want to encourage you, if, if your closest friends, if not just your closest friends, if not just your primary friends, but if, you're, if your whole friend circle with the people you hang out with in your neighborhood and who you hang out with in your workplace and the people you hang out with in your spare time and the other students you hang out with at school, if your whole friend circle is comprised, not primarily, but only of other people who share your faith perspective, then you need to broaden your circle. If all the people you interact with are other people who follow Jesus, then you need to broaden your circle and broaden your influence. And I'd encourage you because... We, we need to intentionally cross some paths with some other people. We, you might need to intentionally cross paths with some Samaritans. You might need to intentionally get on Samaritan soil. You might need to intentionally hang out at the well. You might need to intentionally strike up a conversation. You might need to even ask not just what you can do to serve them, but maybe even humble yourself and say, you got a drink for me. Now, I know the Samaritan was one inviting people to come and see. Jesus was the one who crossed the lines. So, so we're kind of blending that here. We need to do both. We need to cross the lines and go to those people. Now, some of you don't have any problem doing that. You have no problem. In fact, there's some of you who you would rather hang out with people who are far from God than hang out with people who claim to follow him. So if your primary people in your life are not other Christ followers, use caution. Use caution not to allow those people to pull you away from God as you try to influence them towards God. You, you just use caution there. I, I think it's good and wise for all of us to have a blend of people in our lives, people who follow Jesus and people who don't. I, I think our primary relationships are best for us when it's with other Jesus followers. That, that's why I'm so amped up on small groups. That's why I'm going to encourage you all the time to join a small group. We got another group build coming up in a few weeks. And if you're not in a small group, get in a small group because that's a place where we build spiritual friendships and we jump in with other like-minded people and we help each other learn to follow Jesus more closely. But don't make those your only people in life. Now, I'm also aware that some of us, we're, we're reluctant to invite other people 
to, to come to church. We're, we're reluctant to talk to other people about our faith because sometimes we're afraid that we're just gonna mess it up. We're afraid we don't know enough. We're afraid we are gonna say the wrong things. We're gonna afraid we're gonna get asked questions that we don't know the answers to. We're, we're afraid that, that, that we're just, we don't have it all together. But I wanna encourage you. Like sharing our experience and sharing our story, sharing our faith is actually a whole lot easier than most of us make it out to be. It doesn't have to be some big grandiose thing. It doesn't require a degree in theology. It doesn't require having all the answers. In fact, none of us actually do have all the answers. So don't pretend to be the person who's the the answer source. Nobody enjoys a spiritual know-it-all. Most people are turned off by that. So, So don't be that person. Get rid of the arrogance and put on some humility. And one of the things I love to say when somebody asks me a question I don't know, and so pretend I know or pontificating on it, is just, hey, I don't know. Let's find out. Why don't you come and see? It doesn't require that you know every verse in the Bible. I like how Jesus' friend Peter said it years later. He said, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Like that's ground zero, get that. And if someone asks you about your hope, the hope you have in Jesus as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But notice he says, not, not the hope that your pastor has, not the hope that your church has, not the hope of that, that big name preacher on the TV, not the hope your spouse has, or your parents have, or somebody else's hope. He says, explain the hope you have. And that's where it gets really easy. Because that allows us to say, I don't know, to, to a lot of things and, and be humble. When, when asked about the hope that I have, and the longer I, I journey with Jesus, the, the more reasons I have for hope. But one of the reasons that I love to come back to pretty often when somebody says, you know, why do you believe? Well, because every time that I look in God's word and I look at the way I'm living my life, and every time my, my life is out of alignment with God's word and I bring it into alignment with God's way, God always proves to be better. His way, his word, his path is always more hopeful, more healing, more satisfying, more fulfilling. His way is consistently better than my way in the way that other people have encouraged me to go. And he always proves his love. Like his love never fails. His, his pursuit of me never fails. I, I give so many reasons for hope, but just time and time again, God proves true. Now, I still have questions. I still have doubts. I still have fears and I still have uncertainties. But every time that I put my life into God's hands, God proves good. And he proves good on his promises. Now, sometimes we're gonna have those conversations. We're getting into a spiritual conversation. Somebody's gonna try and change the subject, just like the woman at the well. Hey, let's let's stop talking about my relationships. Let's start talking about where we should worship, this mountain, that mountain, where it should be. And people will do that, right? They're going to give us moisture and they're going to try and derail and they're going to try and lure us into arguments. Well, what do you think about evolution? What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about abortion? What do you think about the political stance? What do you think about the election? And those things might be good things to talk about, but don't let yourself get lured into that. Don't let yourself get lured into a debate. Don't take the bait. If someone wants to change the subject, you just bring them back to Jesus. Say, you know what? Those things are important, but those are not the most important things. 
Those things, while good to talk about, that's not the most essential thing for us to talk about right now. The most essential thing for us as believers is not to get somebody to change their mind, not to get somebody to change their stance on politics or on some hot topic issue. The most important thing, our essential business, friends, is to help people find and then follow Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not trying to change your mind on all those other issues. And so the way we do that is we simply invite them to come along with us. We just invite them to do what? Say this with me. Come and see. Say it again. Type it out online if you join us online. Come and see what God is doing. Just come and see what God's doing. Here's what he's done for me. What might he do for you? Just, just come and see with me. Just, just join me there. Just, just come and see. Invite them to see what God is doing here at the church. And, and you might get some responses. Well, you know, I'm skeptical of church. I've seen, you know, big name preachers and they do some shady things. And I've known churches do shady things and say, you know, I've seen it too. I, I'm actually skeptical of a lot of preachers and a lot of big churches. I, I understand. But just come and see. I, I think you'll find our church different. Well, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And, you know, welcome to the club. So have I. So is everybody. Shoot, you should meet my pastor. That dude was a train wreck. Just come and see. I think you'll find out that we're different. It's true. It's true, man. Hey, I've been hurt by the church. And I hate to hear that. I, I hate that that's a too common story. But if you come and see, I, I think you'll find my church not to hurt you, but to help you. To offer some healing for those wounds. I'm, I don't even know if I believe in God. You know, I was once there. There was a, a season I didn't believe either. I started going to church. I started investigating. Well, why don't you just come and see? Just come and investigate. No, no matter what the objection, no matter what the reason, no matter what the excuse, we can always say what? Come and see. Come and see. Church, we should always be telling people, inviting them, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God is up to here. Listen, if we can get excited about ice cream places and favorite restaurants, if we can get excited about the movies we watch and we want to tell other people, if we can get excited about the shoes we wear and the brand we found that takes good care of us, how much more so should we be telling people to come and see the Jesus that we follow, who has saved us, who loves us unconditionally, who is there for us. He's friend and redeemer and savior. How much more so should we be excited to share that with people? So we just invite them, come and see. You, you don't even have to invite them to, to come to the physical campus. You can say, hey, listen, we got this great online service. Just come and see. You, you can stay at home. You can check us out online. Come and see. And I would encourage you to follow up after they've come, after they've saw, follow up and say, hey, what did you think? How did that go? You don't even have to invite them to a church service. You, you invite them to one of the things we got going on, like the marriage night coming up this Friday. Hey, you're married? Great. Your marriage is going great? This is going to be a fun night for you. Your marriage isn't going so great? I think you're going to learn some stuff there. Just come and see. And, and you might even want to say, hey, I'll pay the bill for you. So you just come for free. Just, just join my, my, my spouse and me at this thing. Just come and see. I think it's going to be good for you. Halloween might look a little different this year. You just invite them to our fall festival. Say, hey, we, we got this thing going on in our church because our church loves our community. Our church loves families. Our church loves kids. And we want to provide some fun stuff for them. So we're doing this great socially distanced fall festival kind of thing with some cool cars and the candy's going to be given out in a real safe way. And we got this thing going on. Just, just come and see. It's going to be a great night. Come, come and see how my church loves you. Friend, whatever it might be, you can just invite them to come and see. And you know what happens when we invite them to come and see? Oftentimes they will. 
Oftentimes people will come. And so often those who come and see will stay and follow. That was my story. That's the story of countless others. That's the story of so many of those people who were in that baptism video earlier. And I love what happens when we see this. Watch what happens in this story. The woman tells the village, come and see. And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Even from that woman, the woman they shunned, the woman who who didn't want to have anything to do with, they came out to see. And many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And then it gets even better. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Tell us more, teach us more, Jesus. And so he stayed for a couple days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior. That he's the one we've been longing for. He's the one we've been hoping for. He's the one that we've needed. Now we know. And now we follow. All because you invited us to come and see. Friend, look at the difference that simple invite made. Such a simple, simple, safe invite. Just come and see. Just come check it out for yourself. And it changed the spiritual landscape of that village. It changed the eternity for the villagers. They came, they saw, they believed, they followed, and they were grateful. Look what her testimony did for them. What might your invite do for somebody you know? Friend, who do you know? Who's the one person that you need to invite to just come and see? What might it do for them? What might it do for them? Let's pray. God, we're grateful that you break through all the barriers. And when we first look at this story, you're just tired because you've been walking for a long while and you need a drink. And you let that simple cup be the thing to prompt a conversation, to prompt an invitation that led to the transformation for an entire village and for that woman. And God, we don't even know her name. But a couple thousand years later, we are grateful for that Samaritan woman and her simple invite to come and see. And God, we pray for the same courage. We pray for the same excitement. We pray for the same willingness to go to everyone else, to run to them, to leave everything else behind and to run to them and just say, come and see, come and see. You need to meet Jesus. Here's what he's done for me. What might he do for you? God, would you give us the courage, Holy Spirit, help us to get beyond our fears and the baggage. Help us to get beyond the reputation. That that would be the reputation we have. It's the reputation for inviting other people to share in the joy of salvation that we have. And that they would come. And we pray for many, many more to come. And to see. And to stay. And to follow. And to celebrate with us. That you are Savior. And you are good. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.